0: I've come up with a concept I call fit for task. Now, sometimes your task is to play tennis or to swim or to have fun, to go hiking. Sometimes that's your fitness. That's what you need. Uh, sometimes it's to take care of your wife or husband or your kids or grandkids and being able to keep up with them. And sometimes it's about being able to take care of yourself so you can be independent and not have to go through some of those things or have people that you care about have to take care of that.
1: Welcome to Thriving with Diabetes, the podcast where we empower people with type 2 diabetes to live their best lives. I am your host, Gamden, a holistic wellness coach, helping people overcome the challenges related to type 2 diabetes. I believe that with the correct knowledge, mindset and support, you can manage your health condition effectively and lead a fulfilling life. In this episode of Thriving with Diabetes, we are talking about fitness for longevity and focus on the concept of fit to, ta- to uh, task. Today, we have the, the, the honor of talking to Alan uh, Messner, if I pronounce that your name right a health and fitness coach, and the visionary behind the 40 plus fitness podcast. Alan's experience extends to helping people over 40 to improve their health and fitness. We will explore key insights into the role of exercise, mindset, and motivation to help you manage diabetes better and share practical strategies for achieving uh, long-term wellness. I'm excited to have our uh, special guest with me uh, today, Alan uh, um, Messner. It is always inspiring uh, to learn about our guests' uh, perspectives and experiences. Before we dive into our discussion uh, today, I would love for Alan to introduce himself, share some background about him, and what he uh, does. So, without further ado, I will hand it over to Alan to introduce himself. Alan, welcome to Thriving with Diabetes podcast.
0: Thank you, Gandon. Uh, yeah, you know, I um, when I found myself completely out of shape and sick and probably close to pre diabetes at the time I was about 39. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have anybody that understood training over 40 and so nobody was doing this. And so that's why I decided after I was able to do learn a few things and do a few things for myself that this was needed out in the marketplace. So I kind of made it my mission to start providing information in the health and fitness area that's specific to people over 40 and make that available over the internet for free, uh, in some cases. Uh, so they don't have to fall for the, all the other things that we all fall for, like the, the cabbage diet, and the this and the that, and you know here's this workout, there's that workout. Um, I try to make it as easy as possible for people to get healthy and fit.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, uh, it is really uh, inspiring that uh, your mission is to help people who are 40 or plus, so they can be healthy and fit, not just for uh, the current moment, but for the future. So let's move on to the next uh, uh, point, which is about uh, exercise and longevity. And you know uh, exercise is often linked to longevity. So, in your experience, how do you, how does uh, integrating regular uh, exercise uh, uh, that contribute to longevity, and what the uh, the benefit does it offer specifically for people over forty, which is your uh, focus right now?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna instead of telling you about all the benefits and just listing them, I'm gonna tell you a story. Um, So there's this guy, Glenn, and Glenn loved golf. But at the age of 80, he found his balance was going, and he had to stop playing golf. Uh, At the age of 90, uh, Glenn was in an apartment, assisted care apartment, and uh, he wouldn't see the rest of his family because when Glenn was sitting in his chair and had to go to the bathroom, he couldn't get up, walk across the room, and make it to the bathroom before he had to go. He didn't have the capacity to do that. So someone would have to come in and clean him up. And that's how he lived the last five years of his life, unable to take care of himself. And so when I think about fitness and I think about all of this, I've come up with a concept I call fit for task. Now, sometimes your task is to play tennis or to swim or to have fun to go hiking. Sometimes that's your fitness. That's what you need. Uh, sometimes it's to take care of your wife or husband or your kids or grandkids and being able to keep up with them. And sometimes it's about being able to take care of yourself so you can be independent and not have to go through some of those things or have people that you care about have to take care of that. (coughs) So as you're thinking about fitness, instead of thinking about exercise and workouts and how you hate to sweat, um, Think about what's going to be if you don't make it to the bathroom in time. Uh, that's what fit for task is about. It's about doing the things that your body needs so that when you need your body, it's there for you. Because in the end, this isn't just about how long you live. This is the quality of your life through that span. So we call that health span, or I call it fit for task. And so making sure you can take care of yourself it should be job number one. For every single one of us, no matter how old we are
1: brilliant thank you for sharing that it's it's really uh inspiring just to learn about someone like uh, uh, Glenn who couldn't even do a basic uh, movement is going to the toilet yeah. Glenn,
0: Glenn was my father by the way. Oh.
1: <laughs> Okay. So I, didn't get, I
0: didn't get to see him after he was ninety years old. So the last five years of his life, I didn't get to see him. Oh.
1: And that shows is uh, how it can be uh, difficult if you don't take uh, fitness ser- uh, seriously. Uh, and you introduce the concept of uh, fit to task. We will uh, talk in more details about that later. But uh, let's talk about the relationship between exercise and type two diabetes. What are the benefits that people with type two diabetes can experience uh, through a regular uh, physical activity?
0: Okay, so um, there's not really what I would call a direct. You know, you can't you can't effectively cure diabetes without changing and fixing your whole body. Uh, you have to change your nutrition you have to change your stress management, you may have to change your sleep, Uh, and yes, you may have to train or exercise to help get rid of or reduce the the issues that you're having for type two diabetes. Um, The basic gist is when the body's being treated well, which exercise is a form of treating your body well, uh, certain systems in your body will function better. One of the core systems that relates to diabetes is of course your insulin sensitivity. And so the insulin hormone, which I'm sure you've talked about a lot on this podcast, um, its job is to keep just the right amount of sugar in your blood system so you can function. Well, someone who exercises regularly, who goes through the glycogen stores in their muscle and liver, will need to pull sugar to restore that glycogen at some point. Um, You may have heard runners in, in marathons will, they'll hit a a limit and they'll call it a bonk It's that limit. Well, what they've done is they've burned through all of their glycogen and now their body's looking for glycogen somewhere else. And if they haven't been eating it, they bonk. And so if you can imagine a system, it's, it's like taking a battery. We used to have these batteries and if you didn't drain them all the way down, they got muscle memory or they got battery memory and they wouldn't charge all the way back up. So insulin resistance can be a little bit like that. If you get the whole system working where you're pulling sugar, adding sugar, pulling sugar, it gets better at it. And that's how it can kind of help regulate insulin. The other side of it is just having more muscle mass allows your body to burn more energy. You have more mitochondria. So your body is just generally going to be drawing more energy out. And that's going to help with blood sugar regulation.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your insights uh, about uh, the benefits of exercise for uh, type 2 diabetes. And uh, I want to talk about mindset. And uh, a positive mindset is crucial for uh, any fitness journey. I mean, having a, 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 a weak or a negative uh, mindset won't help someone who wants to go into fitness. Uh, how does, or oh, how do you see mindset uh, playing a role in adopting and maintaining a healthy lifestyle, uh, specifically for those dealing with health conditions like diabetes? Just before you answer this question about the mindset, maybe later we talk about motivation. Uh, a friend of mine who wanted to uh do some uh exercise or workouts try just once or a week then he stopped uh, they sometimes the people think it is a uh they can, they take it like a, an easy uh a process or step but it requires a a, a strong mindset. So if you can uh, talk about mindset.
0: Well, to me, mindset's this overriding thing that is everything. Um, Anything you want to do in health and fitness uh, is going to take your brain. Your mind will drive what you do. It's sort of like they say, what you look at is where you go. And this is the same thing with mindset. So there's a lot to mindset. There's books and books and books on mindset. But one of the core things is, When it comes to health and fitness and in nutrition, what I found is that there are about five general mindsets for how we all think about what we're doing at any point in time that's hard, like getting healthy, like getting fit, like eating well. And if you know these mindsets and you know the one that is most prominent in you, you can make some decisions to do something differently. I'll give you an example. Uh, For many women, particularly women, but some guys, uh, we're the caretakers in the house. And we have to take care of everybody else. And so we have this mindset that their needs are more important than our needs. Therefore we're too busy taking care of them to take care of ourselves. I can't cook for myself because I have to cook for my family and I don't have time to cook two meals. I hear it all the time. That's what I call a co-pilot mindset. They're sitting in the co-pilot seat. They've got to take care of all the navigation, all the stuff and they never get to take care of themselves. If you go in it with that mindset, you've already decided you aren't going to do this. You may try, but then a you know, the kid needs something, so then you're, you're out. So the way you work that is you know that you have this, this mindset. You step back and say, well, what's valuable about that mindset? For me, the particular thing that's very valuable for a co-pilot is they already have a support group all the way around them. They've got their spouse, they've got their kids, they've got their family. These are very important elements in their why of what they're doing all this. Well, ask them for help. You know, hey honey, I wanna go down to the basement and do do a workout. Could you tuck in the kids, you know, get them ready for bed, wash them up, get them ready. I'll be up for the bedtime story. Okay, Uh, in the morning, it's like, hey kids, I've made these little uh, egg things, just warm them up in the microwave. I'm going to go down in the basement and get my workout done. Or I'm going to go do food prep for the week uh, on the weekend. You know, just just all these different things that you can do with your kids. Another one, and this is very common, it might be what your friend went through, is um, there's some of us that will, uh, I call them tires. We'll do really good when we've got traction. Everything's good. We see traction, we feel good. But it's like we're driving up an icy hill. The instant we stop, the instant we lose traction, we slide all the way back down the hill. So this is the person that goes in, and they were doing really well, and then they had a bad Friday night that turned into a bad Saturday, that turned into a bad weekend, that turned into a bad month, that turned into a bad year. So for someone who knows that they need traction, they need consistency, and they need a way of seeing it. So I'll often tell someone, okay, pull out a a calendar, a paper calendar you can put on the wall. And every day you do your training or every day you drink your water or every day you do the thing that you say you're going to do, you put a mark. Now, I had one client. She was really, really, really sharp. She decided to put a heart sticker every day because, again, we were talking about this being about self-love, who you are and who you want to be. So she put a heart sticker every day she met her goal. And then she could look back at that calendar and see that she had filled up the whole month with heart stickers. She had her traction, and she was doing great. Okay? So when you know these mindsets, there's actually five of them, and you can go, when you go to the, we're going to give you a link here at the end, 40plusfitness.com forward slash And when you go to that link, there'll be a place where you can take a quiz. It takes 60 seconds, and it doesn't cost anything. And it will actually tell you what your primary um mindset is right now that might be holding you back because you hear that if you don't know traction you keep losing traction if you don't know you're a co-pilot you don't realize you're giving too much to everybody else and not enough to yourself Um, there's a couple of others but when you find those out you're able to then make some changes to the way you do things it's not that you do anything different you just may do it a slightly different way so that you have what you need And so you basically turned something that was blocking you into a superpower.
1: Brilliant. Very interesting. Thank you for sharing these uh, great insights about uh, mindset uh, and uh, talking about the power of uh, mindset and how it can uh, dedicate every every action that uh, we do and uh you mentioned uh, a quiz on your website that can help people uh with mindset. Uh, thank you for sharing that as well. Uh, let's say uh, there is a pos uh, there is a a person with a positive mindset, and the next step is motivation and uh, maintaining uh motivation for uh the long uh, term can be challenging. Um, I might start today, run for uh, a week, a month, maybe a few months, then I stop. And my question is, what are uh, some effective uh, strategies, both uh, intrinsic and uh, extrinsic, that you recommend for sustaining uh, motivation in the context of health and fitness?
0: Okay. I think most of us look at motivation the wrong way. Uh, We think motivation is just going to show up, you know, okay. I'm going to start on Monday. We happen to be recording this on Monday at six o'clock, but in the U S but just, just so you know, most of us will sit there and say, okay, I'm going to get started on Monday and they wake up Monday morning and maybe they do what they say they're going to do. Maybe they don't. The alarm goes off and you hit the snooze and then you miss your workout or you do it three weeks and then you start missing workouts. It, it just always, it isn't there. So what we've done is we've waited for motivation to come to us, but that's not how motivation works. Motivation comes from doing, we have to do something first. Okay. Now there are two basic types of motivation. There's extrinsic motivation and that's the motivation that comes from other people. So you have the extrinsic motivation, which is predominantly accountability. And then you have the ex- int- intrinsic, which is internal motivation that comes from you. And that's about self efficacy. So, now let's talk about a couple different ways that you can get extrinsic motivation. You can hire a coach, you can hire a nutritionist, you can hire a doctor and make them a part of your fitness team. But they're also somewhat a leader coach in your life, and you want to be accountable to them to do the things that you need to do to fix yourself. So that's accountability at a leader level. That's extrinsic. Now, another one is to join a group. So you can join a fitness group. You can join a nutrition group. A bunch of you can get together every Sunday and do some batch cooking together. It's a group. Those group or your peers, and we always think of peer pressure is a bad thing, but peer pressure works both ways. So having a group around you that cares about their health and fitness, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Jim Rohn said you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. This works that way, too. And this is why. Because they hold you accountable. They hold you accountable to something bigger than yourself. Okay? So that's accountability at a leader and then a social level. Now, on the other side of this, we have the intrinsic. Now, intrinsic is harder because it's easy to just find a good coach and hire them. Intrinsic's a little harder, but it's more powerful. So at the leader level of intrinsic or internal is self-management. Okay. So if you're going to go to the gym in the morning, you know, the night before you need to get to bed at time, you need to have your bag packed, you need to have your food ready and you need to set the alarm and not and not hit the snooze button in the morning. That's self-management and self-efficacy to get where you want to be at a leader level. You become the CEO of your own health and fitness. And so you're making that decision that you're going to do these little things that makes the bigger things happen. Okay. So every night I pack my bag, every night I have my shoes ready. Every night I go to bed early enough that I can get up in the morning to do what I need to do that next morning. And when the alarm goes off, I get up. Okay. That's self-management. And it just comes from being on it. You've been accountable for long enough. Now you've got to start pulling that internal because it's harder, but it's more powerful. The next one, and this is the most powerful one, and this is at the social level of intrinsic. And I call this values and goals, values and habits. So when we start taking actions, which means like my alarm set every morning at 530, I'm getting up every morning to get my workout in. uh, It just becomes what you do. Uh, You'll hear this from certain people that, okay, they started, they got up and they started going for walks. Then they added jogs, and then maybe they signed up for a 5k and then another one. And suddenly they call themselves a runner. I'm a runner. And so this bottom level is a, this level. I'm talking about here, this top level, uh, intrinsic is identity. So when you identify as that person and you'll hear it another place. that like crossfitters do this all the time. Anyone who just really gets into what they're doing, I'm a swimmer, I'm a runner, I'm a, you know, a vegan, I'm a, you know, all the things, all those, all those identities that we put, those labels, that's us. And once you identify, you wouldn't think of not doing it anymore. A runner gets up in the morning for their training. What are they going to go do? They're going to go for a run. You know, even when they're sick, they (laughs) want to run. That's how strong that, that's how strong that motivation is, that they feel bad when they're not doing the thing because they identify it. So to have the best model of motivation, you really want to be in all four of those quadrants. Okay, so on that page, we talked about 40plusfitness.com forward slash Gamden. I'm going to have a picture of that grid there so you can go back over it again when you listen to the show again.
1: Brilliant. Very, very uh, helpful uh, information and uh, great uh, tips. So uh, you mentioned... uh, Uh, many things here. So do it or get started first. Uh, You don't need to be motivated from the first time, but you need to try uh, at the beginning. Uh, You mentioned that we need to look for uh, a coach. Uh, I mean, like a fitness uh, coach. We are talking about fitness here. Uh, Support either from a coach or from uh, a friend or family. And... Join
0: a group. Yeah. Hire a coach. You can go to the gym and there's personal trainers there that'll work with you. You schedule time with them. It's on your calendar. It's on their calendar. You can join a fitness group and it can be anything you enjoy. It can be water aerobics. It can be Zumba. You know, it can be a lifting club. It can be a running club. It can be anything where you have other people who are engaged in this and you feel accountable to them. That's the easiest way to get motivated day one. And then over time from all that doing self management kicks in and then eventually identity, you know, people that go to the gym at five thirty in the morning or five o'clock in the morning. I'm one of those people. When you go to the gym, it's the same people in the gym every week, every day. And so I don't even know their names. I just wave. I've got names in my head. Okay. That's treadmill girl. Okay. That's big arm sky, but he's there every day. And so they're in a sense, they are holding me accountable as a group. I don't even know them, but I know at five o'clock in the morning, those four people are always going to be at the gym. And so that's what just is that whole getting out and doing find your group, find your coach. That's the easiest way over time. The hard stuff, which is much more powerful is the self management and then eventually the habits and values or identity.
1: Brilliant, very interesting and you mentioned as well uh, self-management and I liked the cons- uh, the concept or the idea when you said be something or uh, label yourself as something like uh, a runner or something, you said you need to have uh, values goals and commitments uh, so that helps with motivation uh, I, <laughs> I want uh, to ask you a question, what time is it now?
0: It is 6.26. <laughs> what, mo-
1: what motivated you to uh, wake up early and you're in the gym?
0: Or- okay, it's, it's- <laughs> well, this morning, no, that's why am I on this, why am I here? Uh, because I made a commitment to Gamden that I would be here for this time. Uh, so this is his time. And so I feel accountable to you as an individual because I made a commitment to you that I would do this. Now just as easily I can make a commitment to myself and commitment's a very powerful thing. I didn't just say I would do it. I I committed to do it in my, in my mind, the way I wrote it down, I committed to do this, put it on my calendar and committed to do this and commitment is is probably one of the strongest ways to make change in your life because if you don't have commitment, if you just decided, than things like you know, having weak willpower. Like, I have no willpower. You know I'm just I'm just not disciplined. And it's okay. People say this like it's it's okay to say you're not disciplined. It's okay to say you lack willpower. You make a resolution, and by February you, you're not doing it anymore. Guess what? That's everybody does that, right? So it's normal. But people don't break commitments. You get married. It's a serious thing. It's a commitment. And so what? commitment brings in, it brings up, it brings in a why, why, why is this important to you? Okay. The doctor just diagnosed you with type two diabetes and you don't like that diagnosis. You've watched other people suffer with their kidney problems, with losing feet, with the shots, with the gaining weight, with everything you've seen from that perspective of where their health goes. You don't want that for yourself. So you've made a commitment. You're listening to this podcast. You've made a commitment to change. That's your why. Now, what do you want to happen? Well, in a practical sense, you want your A1C to go down because that's how we're going to measure success, right? So your vision is a lower A1C. What does that look like for you? It could be different from someone else, but you have now a why. Get rid of this to what it looks like when it's gone. You put those together and it's a commitment to change. And what you know today is that you have to change your lifestyle. Change is hard. So tackling the mindset stuff and the motivation stuff and putting it it together in a package where it feels natural to you, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, is really how all this works. So to be the healthiest version of yourself, you know you have to do something different today and then tomorrow. And that consistency over time will pay off and you'll be a healthier person. Your A1C will go down and those symptoms that you have out in the past don't happen because of the things you're doing now.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, this is a great example of a commitment. Uh, you often talk about uh, being fit to task, which is a very interesting concept. Can you explain this concept and how it relates to daily uh, functionality uh, specifically for individuals over 40 and those managing health conditions like uh, type 2 diabetes heart disease and other uh, health issues
0: yes well when when this all really happened for me because i i wasn't always a health coach Uh, i was doing other stuff i was very unhealthy i was unfit well i knew i needed something to kind of trigger me And I got it. I got what I needed. And what it was, was my daughter was getting into CrossFit and she was doing all these obstacle course races. And she was really excited about all of it. And so she called me one day and she said, daddy, I want you to come watch me do this competition. And that just hit me in the gut because when I was her age, I was just as much the athlete as she was. And I was like, I don't want to watch her. I I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. Okay. And that triggered me to change what I was doing. And, and so what I, the way I look at this, when I, when I came up with the concept fit for task, well, what was my task at that moment? It was this crazy task to get myself in shape. So I could do a 12 to 13 mile run in the mud with obstacles, very, very hard and do it the way that I wouldn't be holding up my daughter. So I was a participant in her life and not a spectator. Now, as you're growing up and getting older, the aspects of what's necessary for living change. It may be, at this point, chasing children around, lifting a child up, running after them, going to the zoo, this and that, dressing them, moving them, picking them up. Uh, you know, Babies are heavier because they're flinging arms and all this stuff. Okay. But then what happens next? Well, I happen. my wife and I now also operate a bed and breakfast and they deliver water bottles. The water bottles are the five gallon water bottles. Like what you see in the office. Um, they weigh 44 pounds. And when they deliver them, they deliver them at the front and I have to carry them to the back, which is about, um, I would say probably about 30 meters. And, um, Sometimes we have as many as as 10 of them come in at a time. So it's pick one or two of them up. If they have the handles, I'll do two, and back and forth and back and forth. That's something I need to be able to do. When guests come, I have to be able to carry, we don't have an elevator, we only have two stories, but I carry their bags up the flight of stairs while I'm talking to them. (laughs) So I don't really need to get winded walking up the flight of stairs. I need to be able to carry luggage and water bottles and all those types of things. That's what fitness is for me now. Could I do a Tough Mudder? Not today, but I'm close enough that if if my daughter said she wanted to do another one, I'd be ready to do it. Again, fit for task. Um, When I'm older, I talked about my grandfather Glenn. I want to be able to wipe my own butt when I'm 105. Now a lot of people will giggle with that, but it says a lot. I want to be alive at 105 and I want to be able to take care of myself. Now I have wife and four kids and we have between the two of us, we still have three parents that are alive. I need to be able to take care of them. What that looks like, I don't know, but I can tell you if you lose a foot and you're sitting in a wheelchair, you're not going to be very helpful to a lot of people and you might need to be. I'm not, I don't know what kids are going to be doing when they're, when, you know, when the next round comes, we didn't have tough mutters when I was a kid growing up, uh, but they're going to have stuff. Uh, and I don't want to be the grandfather that has to sit on the bench while the kids go off into the zoo because I can't keep up with them. And then they come back and tell me what they saw at the zoo. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. If the kids are on the floor playing, I'm not going to be sitting in the rocking chair looking down on them. I'm going to be in it. I'm going to be on the ground with them coloring, watching whatever they're doing and being a part of their lives at a different level because I'm capable getting on the floor, getting back up. I'm capable of being on the floor for a while and getting back up. So I just shared kind of my roadmap as I look at where I want to be in my life. And so it's about fit for task. What do I have to do to be ready for those things? And that's where the whole concept of exercise and workouts and sweating and not liking it go away because I'm no longer just doing something because I think I should. I'm doing what I need to do to be ready for something. So I am training to be the human that I need to be 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, or even 52 years from now um, when I turn 110. And so, you know, as you start thinking about your life, what kind of life do you want? Um, Here's a simple, simple thing. Have you ever bought a jar of pickles that you couldn't open when you got home? Guess what you didn't get? You didn't get pickles. Now, if you ask someone else to open that pickle jar, or you had to use a special tool to open it. You're no longer independent. You're dependent on someone else to take care of you. I don't want to be in that state. I want to be able to open my own pickles. I want to be able to wipe my own butt and I want to be able to get on the floor and play with my grandchildren fit for task.
1: Thank you for sharing uh, these uh, great uh, information and giving us an overview about the concept fit to task. Uh, uh, these are uh, just some uh, examples uh, for our uh, daily uh, tasks. So without uh, being fit, we will not be able to perform uh, this kind of uh Uh, tasks. So the concept is very um, important. So we try our best to uh, be uh, fit. So we don't have to be like, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, Someone who just dedicated uh, many hours a day, we need just a few uh, minutes, like 15, 30 uh, minutes a day, not hours to make things simple. So uh, let's move to the next part of this episode. Uh, I, w- uh, I want to talk about uh, getting started. Now we have got some uh, information and uh, we know the importance of uh, uh, exercise and uh, fitness. We know the how it is important for longevity. We know the concept uh, fit to task. But what is the the importance of uh, of uh, beginning at uh, a manageable uh, uh, pace so someone who wants to get started slowly uh, without uh, feeling uh, this fitness journey is daunting
0: so I I had a client and um, a couple words you know she said when she first started with me was that she she hated working out she hated getting sweaty she hated all of it and so, but she said, one of the things that bothers her is that when she walked out to her car in the morning to go to work, she got winded just walking from the house to her car in her own parking driving way. So right by her house. So I said, okay, here's what we do. The first day your training is to walk to your car. When you get there, do one lap around the car and then get in the car and drive to work. She did that for a few days. And then she said, okay, it was hard. It's harder than even getting there, but then she felt like she was getting better. So I said, okay, tomorrow add two laps. So you do to the car and then two laps around your car. Within a few weeks, she was going for walks in the neighborhood. And when she first started, she didn't think she would ever be able to do that. Now I had another client who uh, was struggling for walking and I said, okay, what do you think you can do each day? Just a dedicated go for a walk. And for her it was 10 minutes. And you might be thinking to say, well, of course I could go for a walk a lot longer than 10 minutes. That doesn't seem like, well, for her, it was enough for her. It was what she could do. She would do that for 10 minutes. And she did that for a little while for a week. And I said, okay, what do you want to do for this next week? Let's step it up. She went to 12. Again, you might think, oh, well, she probably should have said 15, right? Uh, maybe she should have said 20. Well, it was 12. Okay. The next day it was, next time it was 15. The next time it was 17. And over the course of several weeks, She was up to over 30 minutes of walking every single day. When you compare and contrast to where she started from, she had made huge progress. Now, here's where the payoff was. This woman loved music festivals. Now, if you go to music festivals, what you know is that they park you over there and you have to walk all the way over here to see the, see, the bands. And you do a lot of walking at these things. Okay? And she knew before we started that she was not going to be able to do these music festivals and be comfortable. But after doing these little walks with these little gentle nudges, each week doing a little more, each week doing a little more, she built up her stamina so that she was able to do the walking. And as a result, she went to a lot more music festivals because she felt good going to them. She was able to do the thing. So we talked about fit for tasks. That's the thing. She wanted to go to music festivals. She's someone who goes to music festivals. She's someone who can walk and do what she needs to do to be at music festivals. But none of those folks went out there and had this super intensive workout that they had to do that hurt them and beat them up every single day. What they did was they started where they were and just added a little bit. They got to their comfort zone and then they pushed just a little past it, just a little past the comfort zone. And then they pulled back. And then they did it again and they consistently did it. And after that consistency, they got better and better and better. So you have to start where you are. You have to get out of your comfort zone a little and push just a little gentle nudges and you're going to slowly see results and get better and better. Now, the reason I say comfort zone, anything you do inside your comfort zone does not change you. And nothing great in your life has ever happened because you stayed in your comfort zone. Everything great in your life happened because you got uncomfortable. And so this is a game where each day you need to be a little uncomfortable, just a little. And then that comfort zone is going to grow. And as the comfort zone grows, you just keep getting outside of that comfort zone just a little. That consistency over time is what's going to get you where you want to go. So the starting is the hard part because it's outside your comfort zone, but you have to do it, but you don't have to kill yourself to get there. And it doesn't have to be anybody else's standard, but your own. Okay. Like literally walking to your car is all you can do. Then do that and just a little more. Now I had to tell her to do a whole lap around her car cause it did, wouldn't make sense for her to be on the other side of her car. Um, but that's what it was. And at first she thought it was silly. Until she was walking the neighborhood and she's like, it just started with one lap around the car. And so find your comfort zone, get started, and then just keep pushing a little.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing this uh, story and uh, uh, how just making a simple uh, uh, step will help people uh, progress. So we don't need to... uh, to take a massive action, just we need to build it uh, slowly and uh, gradually so uh, to make it happen. This is the first thing. And you mentioned the second thing is, uh, what you meant is, uh, we need to challenge our body. Uh, You mentioned the uh, comfort zone. So even for body to adjust, we need to challenge it, but we can take it like, uh, in small increment, uh, that's how we uh, uh, we progress. Uh, as people age, their needs or fitness fitness needs uh, change. Uh, how do you uh, approach uh, adapting workouts for people over forty, considering factors like joint health and overall wellness?
0: Well it's, it's what we've been talking about this whole time. It's, it's literally fitness fitness for task and marrying that together with those gentle nudges. Um, if there's something you're not capable of doing, well start doing something less and start working up toward it. Um, most of the times what I see with joint problems and things like that is that they're not true injuries. What they are, are they're just remnants of our, the way we eat or how we move. And if we can fix some of the ways we move and we can fix some of the things we eat, our inflammation goes down and our joint pain goes down. So when I'm working with someone, I will watch how they move. That's why I have, uh, you know, some specialties in corrective exercise and functionally aging because there, there are some things we have to look for. Our body's less forgiving. If we don't do the right things, we don't do it the right way. We can break ourselves. So it, we do have to watch it, but, We should be able to do everything. I I see people do it. You sit down, you know how to sit down and then tell me you can't do a squat. You squat every day. You know, you squat every single day. You're doing it when you sit on the toilet, you're doing it when you sit in your work chair, you're doing it when you sit on your couch, you do it. When you sit in your car, you do a squat every many times every single day. And then they come into the gym and say, well, my knees are bad. I can't do squats. I'm like, you just sat on that bench. What do you think that was? It was a squat. You've only told yourself you can't do a squat because you have bad knees and you've only told yourself you have bad knees because you felt pain in your knees. But if we move right and we eat right, we don't have the inflammation because we're eating right and we move right. So we're not causing any damage. You can do squats. You just have to do them right. And so don't think you can, not because you talked about positive mindset. Well, the word can't, if that comes out of your head, that's programming. You've programmed yourself to think that. But you haven't ever even watched what you do in a day's time to say, you know, yeah, I did. I sat down on that bench and I got right back up. I just did a squat. So, We can simplify movements and say, okay, what movements do you need to do? So the fit for task can play in, but I can tell you, I don't know a single human being on this planet that doesn't need to squat at least once a day. (laughs) Okay. Um, So just realize that's, that's life. And so just block out anytime you hear the word can't in your head, you've got to stop and say, okay, why would I say that I can't? What's that based on? Um, So as you're you're looking at fitness programs, yes, there's some you probably shouldn't do uh, until you get yourself to a fitness level that you can do it. But I see 80-year-olds do the same workouts as 20-year-olds. Why? Because they got themselves up to a fitness level or they kept themselves up to a fitness level where they were able to do it. And they didn't have the word can't in their vocabulary around what they can and and shouldn't be doing. They did it. Um, So there's no can't, there's no shouldn't, there's just what you should do, and that's within the realms of where you are, just pushing slightly outside your comfort zone. So fit for task for you.
1: Brilliant. Uh, Thank you for sharing uh, these great uh, information and insights. Uh, You have already given us uh, some tips and strategies. Uh, Are there some more uh, tips for someone to overcome uh, fitness uh, challenges?
0: Well, like I said, I think the key is to start where you are. Uh, If you're not feeling motivated or you don't know exactly what to do, uh, a trainer or a coach could be a great investment for you. Uh, They're going to keep you from hurting yourself. They're going to give you the guidance and support that you need. And of course, as we talked about, they're going to hold you accountable. So that, to me, is usually the easiest, best way to get started, particularly if you have doubts about what you should be doing. Uh, so find yourself a good coach that knows you from the perspective of they're asking you the right questions, and you know the, they have the experience training someone like you so that they can give you the best guidance and support, and then just show up and do the work.
1: Brilliant. Uh, thank you for sharing uh, these uh, tips as well. Uh, I have got another question before we finish this episode. Uh, What inspiring message or advice would you like to leave uh, with uh, our uh, viewers and listeners, specifically those uh, struggling with type 2 diabetes?
0: Okay. You might feel right now with going through this chronic illness that there's something wrong with your body. But let me leave you with this. Your body is one of the most amazing things that's ever existed. And I say that because as long as you're taking breaths, you can improve it. If you do the right things for your body, it will heal. It will get stronger. It will get leaner. It will do everything you need it to do, but it starts with you doing something for it. Take care of your body, and it will take care of you.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your inspiring uh, message. How can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or learn more about you and what you do?
0: Okay. Well, you can go to 40plusfitness.com. That's 40plusfitness.com forward slash Gamden. And there'll be a little page there. You'll know you're in the right place because you'll see the logo for this podcast. Uh, Everything we talked about today, there'll be links to. You'll see the images, the things we've talked about. But there's also links to my training. There's links to my podcast, my book, um, and and the quiz we talked about. So all those links are there in one place for you. That's 40plusfitness.com forward slash Gamden.
1: Brilliant. Thank you for sharing your contact uh, information. Before we wrap up this episode, is there anything else you want to say?
0: I just appreciate being here. Um, you know you're going through something now with this diabetes other people have reversed it I'm not a doctor so I can't diagnose or prognose but other people have fixed it and they fixed it by eating right moving right sleeping right reducing stress and believing in themselves
1: brilliant thank you Alan for that uh, as well uh, first and foremost I would like to express my uh, sincere gratitude for our amazing guest, Alan uh, Messner, for generously sharing his expertise, insights, and time with us today. I want also to thank everyone of you, our dedicated uh, viewers and listeners, for being a part of this episode. If you are seeking additional uh, guidance and support on your health journey, I encourage you to book a discovery call with me at wellnessimpact.org. During this call, we can discuss your uh, needs and explore how I can provide a personalized assistance while addressing any uh, questions you may have. If you found this uh, episode insightful and Valuable, I invite you to join our community of uh, people committed to thriving with diabetes. To stay up to date for upcoming episodes, empowering discussions, and practical tips, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And for those who prefer other platforms such as uh, Spotify, you can follow the Thriving with Diabetes podcast. Once again, thank you Alan for being our guest today. Thank you everyone for joining us on this impactful journey. Until next time, take care of your health and keep thriving.